do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. And looking to your own interest, not looking to your own interest, but in each of you in the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to use to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everybody's familiar with, with this passage. And uh, Paul begins talking to the church at Philippi uh, with a setup, basically. He begins this section with the word, Therefore, and in this particular case, it's a, it's a precursor, if you will. It's a, um, it's a foreshadowing of what the rest of his thought is going to be. Basically, Paul sets us up and he says, hang on, because there's something else coming. The other shoe is about to drop. He says, therefore, if, and then he lists several different things. If you have found certain things in Christ, if you have unity, if you have this, if you have that. Basically, Paul could have summed up all of that and and the direction to us this morning is if there's anything in your life that is the beneficiary of what Jesus did on the cross, then I need you to pay attention. If there's any part of you that is better today after having come to know Christ, then there are going to be some requirements. If there's any part of you that has a better existence because of your relationship with Jesus than you would have had Jesus not done what he did, then I need you to listen. I need you to pay attention. You see, Paul was tricky. He knew the answer to his question. Remember, Daryl has told us that the church, uh, the Philippian church, is one of the few examples in the New Testament that we have where things are going well, okay? Where the people are doing basically what they ought to be doing, where they they have an understanding of really what the church ought to be, okay? So Paul knows the answer to his question. He knows that um, these people have to acknowledge what Jesus has done for them. Same is true with us this morning. We have to acknowledge that, yeah, we're in that category. We're in that group. We are better off today 
than we were before we met Christ. So, therefore, this is what Paul says we're to do. First thing he says is make your joy complete. This is what Daryl has been talking to us about the entire time. And in order to have joy, you have to have unity. And in order to have unity, in order to be united, then you have to have humility. And in order to have real humility, you've got to emulate Jesus. All of these things are steps that build on one another this morning. And the one that we're going to focus on today, particularly, is the step of humility. The, the true humility that comes with a relationship with Christ. Before we look at what humility is in this setting, let's look at what it's not. Okay? Look back, if you would, at verses 3 and 4. Paul says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you are to look to the interest of others. So humility, first of all, is not self-centered. It's not self-centered. You realize this morning that all of society's problems originate from we as people being self-centered and self-interested? I don't care what you want to talk about today. That's the cause. That's the root of it. All of our ills in our world today stem from an overwhelming desire to promote self. This whole movement that we seem to have today with transgendered restroom facilities is a result of a fraction of the population wanting to promote what they want with no thought to the ramifications on the rest of the world. It's a, it's a self-centered um, agenda. Regardless of how this may or may not affect other people, regardless of what this may cost um, companies and, and institutions, um, regardless of, of any possible damage, I want to be able to do this so we should make it happen. Drugs are a product of self-centeredness. I want to feel different than I feel right now, so I'm going to take something regardless of what it does to me or to others in the world. Debt is a product of self-centeredness. I want what I want, and I want it right now, and I don't care if I can afford it or not. The erosion 
of the family in our society is a direct result of self-centeredness. I think I'd be happier with someone else. And so regardless of what it does to my family, my children, or society as a whole, I'm going to do that. Sin is the manifestation of selfishness. When I sin, when I am disobedient to my God, when I do something that I know he would rather that I not do, what I'm saying is I care more about what I want than what is right. So we have to understand that true humility it has nothing to do with us. It's not self-centered. But at the same time, humility is not self-destructive. Humility is not a false um, projection where we, where we give off this appearance that um, we're not worthy of anything and that um, uh, we have a substandard life and oh, woe is me and I'm just not good enough to do anything. That's, that's not humility. That's just miserable. Okay? Nobody wants to be around that. It's not self-destructive. Humility is the realization that we find our significance in our relationship with Christ. That through him and by him, we are significant and we have an importance and we have a place and we have a purpose but it doesn't have anything to do with us and what we think we want it's all to do with jesus c.s lewis said it best he said true christian humility is not about thinking less of yourself it's about thinking of yourself less it's not about thinking less of yourself it's about thinking of yourself less. So humility is not self-centered and it's not self-destructive. So what is it? Well, the first thing it is is unnatural. It is not natural. Look back again at our text. Verse 6. Paul's talking about Jesus and he says, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I don't, I, I don't know that I'd really ever thought about this before, but when Jesus took on human form, that was the most unnatural thing he had ever done. His natural state is a being that you and I cannot even look upon. You remember Moses, okay? When he, when, he, when he tells God, I want to see your face, I want to en encounter you, and God knows that if that happens, he'll literally drop dead in an instance. That's, that's who Jesus is. That's really who he is. It was completely unnatural for him to take on human flesh and live the kind of lives that we as people live. And when something's unnatural, it just it doesn't feel right. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about. It just doesn't ever quite feel right. Do, do me a favor. Clasp your hands together like this. Just everybody do that. 
Now look down. Is your left thumb on top or is your right thumb on top? How many lefters do we have? Everybody else better be right, okay? All right. Now do it again and intentionally do it backward. That feels funny, doesn't it? That just doesn't quite feel right, does it? There are some things that are natural and some things that are unnatural. For 33 years, Jesus walked the face of this earth not feeling quite right. And he did it so that he could relate to what you and I go through each and every day. His humility, his act of humility was an unnatural process for, for him. And so we're foolish this morning if we think that to become truly humble in our walk with Christ is going to be a natural thing for us because it's not. It's not going to be natural. We have self-preservation and self-promotion hardwired into our DNA. Think about it. One of the first things that an innocent baby learns to say is mine. Mine. And even if they can't say the word, when they want something, they will throw such a fit, you would rob Fort Knox with a slingshot in order to shut them up. <laughs> we are wired to take care of self. We are wired to protect and promote who we are. It's unnatural for us. And Paul knew this when he was talking to the, to the people at the church at Philippi. It's an unnatural thing for you to develop the kind of humility that's going to be required in order to get to the unity that the church has to have to experience the true joy of a relationship with Jesus. It's unnatural. It was unnatural for the Lord. It was so unnatural. Most of us, if we're honest, we just, we just play the cards we're dealt. Jesus deliberately created these horrific, unnatural cards for himself and then dealt his own hand. Think about it. His teenage mother was pregnant before she was married. He's born in a barn. Early in his life, his family lives like a bunch of gypsies. When he's an adult, he cannot afford his own place to live. His hometown would have nothing to do with him. His siblings were embarrassed by him. And at the end of his life, he's cursed and slapped and spat upon in public. Compare that with the being that Moses could not look at because of the sheer glory and majesty. 
That's who Jesus really is. But he chose to become something totally unnatural for himself in order that we might experience a relationship with him. We're going to have to do some things to develop true Christian humility that Paul is, is urging us to do that may not feel quite right, that may be uncomfortable, that may not be who we're naturally designed to be. Jesus has set the bar awful high. He left no stone unturned for what he was willing to do. That's our example this morning. That's where we have to go to. That's what we have to strive to be. Humility is un unnatural. Humility is a choice. It's a decision. Jesus chose the life that he would lead. You know, we think about the Lord choosing to come and, and, and save us, choosing to die on the cross and, and be the Savior of the world. And frankly, that's, that's the easy part of his life. As difficult as that was, that's relatively easy compared to just how out of his own box he had to become in order to be our personal Savior. All those things that we just mentioned, all those things about his life that um, were so against his nature and even against what society would expect of a leader and a king, he makes the decision to lead that kind of life. A conscious choice. That's what we're called to do this morning. We're called to put aside the things that we think would be better for us in order that we might be humble to the cause of Christ, which would then promote unity within the church and then allow the church to do something that really makes an impact on the world. And when we do that, we experience the joy that Paul's talking about. Humility doesn't just happen. It's not something we gain as we get older. It's a choice that we make each and every day. Paul says in another place where he writes in the Scripture, to die daily to ourselves. Humility is a decision. It's a choice. Humility is obedience. One more time. Look back at our text this morning. Being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Paul says, um, being found in the appearance of man. Let's talk about that appearance for just a second. Isaiah, we, we read in our life group not long ago, wrote about the man, Jesus of Nazareth. What's ironic is that he writes about him 650 years before he comes to this earth, and he nails it to a T. If, if, if anyone ever doubts the, um, the accuracy and the inerrancy of Scripture, 
boy, that would be a place to, to camp for a while. Isaiah writes about Jesus, and he talks about him, and he says there's nothing about his appearance that would cause you to sit up and notice. There's nothing about the way that he looks that would make you stop and pay attention. I don't know, okay? If I'm Jesus and I'm coming to the earth and I'm thinking I've got to speak to large crowds and and I've got to get the attention of the masses and um, uh, I've only got a short time to do this, then, then I think I would equip myself with, with the best physical attributes I could possibly think of. I'd be the tallest and the best looking and have the best voice and all these kinds of things because that's what would naturally attract people to me. And he chooses to do just the opposite. In fact, Isaiah says that his appearance was not something to look upon. Let me be blunt with you this morning. Jesus, the physicality of Jesus was ugly. He was not a good-looking person as society would deem someone to be attractive. He chooses this intentionally. He chooses this on purpose. That's humility. Contrast that with the billions of dollars we spend in our world trying to look better than we actually do. Wow. When the one person who could have looked any way he wanted to chooses to take a form that no one wanted to look at, that's humility. That's obedience. Paul says that he was so obedient that he even subjected himself to death and worse than that, the death of the cross. I think the cross is one of the things that time has allowed us to um, soften, quite frankly. The cross is one of the things that time has allowed us to um, think better of than we probably should. A lot of us have crosses around our necks this morning. A lot of us have crosses on our keychains and in our homes and we, we see it as a, as, a, as a symbol of hope. It was not a symbol of hope in Jesus' day. It was, it was the opposite of hope. It meant the worst possible fate that anyone could ever endure. Isaiah, again, when talking about his description of Jesus, says that even before he was nailed to the cross, he was unrecognizable in human form. They literally beat him to the point that he did not look like a person anymore. They mocked him and they beat him and they slapped him and they spit on him. And they took his clothes from him. Folks, that's not just 
humility, that's humiliating. That's the depths. That's the length that our Lord went to in order that we might have a relationship with him. And he's not going to call us to have to do that. But he is going to call us to put away ourselves and our own agendas and our own thoughts and our own wants and our own desires in order that we could be unified in the cause of Christ. It's a heck of a bargain. It's a good deal for us. Obedience is, humility is obedience. Humility is a prerequisite for unity. That's what Paul begins talking about. He wants so desperately for the church at Philippi to truly come together with one purpose, to promote the cause of Christ, regardless of what direction that might take. And he realizes that in order to do that, we first must become actually humble in our relationship with him. Because the truth is this morning, I've only got so much energy. And if I spend part of that promoting myself, part of that um, trying to ensure that what I want actually takes place, that my likes are just as important as his likes or her likes within the body of the church, if I spend some of that energy on me, that's energy I cannot spend on the cause of Christ. If I spend some of my resources on me, I can never be truly sold out to the mission of the church. Humility is a prerequisite for unity. Humility is a requirement of joy. Humility is a requirement of joy. Well, what does that mean? If I can ever get to the point where I am truly comfortable in my own skin, where I am truly satisfied not with the insignificance I feel in this world, but with the true significance I have in Christ Jesus. I truly get to the point that regardless of what anyone or anything else may think or say about me, I know I am secure in my relationship with God, and that's where I find my strength, that's where I find my hope, that's where I find my fun, that's where I find who I am. When I can get to that point and no longer try to build up the facade of me, then I can rest. I can take a deep breath. And in that rest and in that deep breath is where we find joy. You know, one of the best things, we've all experienced it, are those times when we can truly laugh at ourselves. When we enjoy being the source of someone else's humor. When that's not offensive to us and we're not worried that it's going to make us look different or worse. But when we embrace that, that's fun. 
That's what Paul's talking about here. When we embrace who we are, flaws and all, and realize that in spite of all that, Jesus has decided to bring us alongside of him and use him for his purpose and his glory, that's joy. We don't have to be anything we're not. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to put on a show. We can truly just be us and watch him be him. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful today for the words that we read this morning and grateful, Father, that um, when you had the opportunity to do and to be something totally different than you chose to be, you were obedient, even to the horrible death that you endured for us. And God, what you require of us this morning pales in comparison to what you went through. And our prayer is that we would find the strength in you and the confidence in you to be humble before you and before each other, to be real before you and before each other. As Paul said, when we get to that place, then you can Cody gets out of the way.